it's such a crowded space in music licensing that it can be frustrating uh, because a lot of times you feel like you're just pitching to a black hole and you're not ever getting heard. And that's extremely frustrating. In today's episode, we're going to be going over things that you can do that if you follow these steps that we're going to talk about, I guarantee you will get heard. I guarantee you'll find success. It doesn't come fast. You have to follow the steps. You've got to do it properly and make sure that you approach it the right way. And this isn't just for licensing. This is for anywhere you're sending your music. Let's dive in. Welcome to the License Your Music podcast, where I'm here to give you all the tools you need to license your music for film, TV, ads, trailers, and more so that you can earn passive income and obtain creative freedom. I'm your host, Jody Friedman. Thanks so much for spending some time with me today. Super excited for what we have in store today. We're going to talk about five things you can do to get heard by music supervisors. And the first step towards getting licensed is getting your music heard. It's extremely crowded. We've got to find a way to break through. If you follow these steps, I guarantee you will get heard by music supervisors. And these five steps are also available in an ebook format on our website at licensedmusic.com. So come over to the website. It's completely free. You can download the ebook there. For those who don't know me or it's your first time listening, I am a music supervisor and a music publisher. I started as a singer songwriter, uh, turned producer, uh, trailer composer in training. I do a lot of different things. I wear a lot of different hats. And uh, in particular, I started this License Your Music platform to help to teach everything I know to help you learn how to license your music. And this how to get heard by music supervisors is the first step. So it's a very crowded space and there are more and more um, people getting into it. But the good news is there is so much content today with Netflix and Hulu and Amazon and there's still traditional TV and films and ads. There's a ton of ads and trailers and video games. There's so much content. So there's room. There's room for you to get in and to get heard. There's things that you can do that can help improve the chances of getting heard. We're going to go into the number one thing. And number one goes back to that fear that we all have about being our own worst self-critic. And it's all about making sure your product is ready and not, and not putting the cart before the horse. Make sure that your product is ready truly ready to enter the market, putting your product out there without knowing that it's ready. This is possibly the worst thing you can do because once you enter the market and you put your product out there and people start listening to what you have to offer, they immediately notice whether it's ready or not. And if it's not, then they disregard you and they probably won't look to you again for a long time. If you come back to them in the future and they they had a good experience with you, you can say, hey, uh, I have some new material for you. Uh, and yeah, some people will look at you again, but overall, it's just so important to make sure it's ready. And there's some things you can do to make sure that your product is ready. Before we go into that, I want you to uh, stick with me here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk you through something and just imagine this. And you're not going to like what I have to say. <laughs> I don't know you. I don't know your music, but just imagine this, okay? Consider that your music just isn't as good as you think it is. Consider that what you think sounds like a 10, top-notch, 10 out of 10 quality product just isn't. What if I told you it was a 5 out of 10? What, and I don't, again, I don't know your music. Don't take this personal. I'm just asking you to consider this. If what you think is a 10 out of 10 is really a 5 out of 10, wouldn't you want to know that before pitching your music? I know I'd want to know that. In fact, someone tried to tell me that 
many years ago and I disregarded it. And I entered the market prematurely and I didn't license my own music, my own music for another eight years till I finally got it ready. So now let's think about what your music needs to be a 10 out of 10. Criteria number one for a product is production. Bad production can kill a well-written song's chances of getting licensed. I'll say that again. Bad production can kill a well-written song's chance of getting licensed. If your song is not well-produced and on competition with Universal Music, Sony, Warner, BMG, it's not going to have the edge that it needs. That is your competition. The major labels are competing for the same spots you're trying to get licensed in. I know that doesn't seem fair and they have bigger budgets that an independent artist might have, but here's, here's the good news about that. The bulk of the major label budget goes towards hiring players, producers, mixing engineers, mastering engineers, paying for studio time. And aside from hiring players, all of those things are things that you can learn how to do yourself. You can learn how to mix, how to master, how to track, produce, program, perform. These things take time, it takes investment in yourself, but it is achievable. And it's how most of the independent artists that are getting licensed are able to compete with the big guys by truly being a DIY artist, by doing it yourself. It is completely possible. There are no shortcuts. You have to practice, you have to commit, and that's how it can happen. It's also what separates hobbyists from careerists. It's possible you think you're a careerist and you're really a hobbyist. The good thing is we're so lucky, as I said earlier, to live in the digital age where there's so much knowledge, training, courses, guidance at our fingertips. So dive in, tackle that as you like. Criteria number two, the composition. It has to be a well-crafted song and connect with people on some emotional level. The art of songwriting and competition is something that comes more with writing more and more songs and with collaborating and learning from other writers that you're collaborating with. Being open to co-writing is a huge part of it. And that doesn't mean it has to be a hit song. In, in fact, in music licensing, 99% of the time, it's not about being a hit song. It's about setting the right mood and setting the tone to score the scene because a lot of times it's in the background. It is a background use. Um, think about how some of the best songwriting teams in history were made. There were collaborations like Jerry Lieber, Mike Stoller, Bernie Taupin, Elton John, Paul McCartney, John Lennon, Rodgers and Hammerstein, Jimmy Page, Robert Plant, the list goes on and on. So keep writing, be disciplined about it, write a song a week or a song a day if you can, and co-write more and hone your craft. Criteria number three, the performance. A bad performance can destroy a great song. I'm going to say that one again. A bad performance can destroy a great song. Remember, you're competing with the majors, so you have to think like a major. When you're done writing a song, open your mind up to the possibilities of all styles and renditions of that song. And this requires putting on your producer hat. For instance, let's imagine you are a male rock singer-songwriter. You write a rock song. Now put on your producer's hat, and what that would mean is that you remove yourself from the song and from your artistry for a moment. And imagine 
what that same song would sound like with an R&B soul singer on it. Maybe it's a female vocalist. Now imagine it with a rapper spitting some lyrics on the verse or on the chorus. Keep envisioning different elements that best serve your song. It's not about you, it's about the song. And who are some of the best singers around today? Ariana Grande, Adele, The Weeknd, Ed Sheeran, Bruno Mars, Lady Gaga, Sam Smith, Beyonce, Charlie Puth, Kelly Clarkson. There's so many amazing singers. Now, with those vocalists in mind, ask yourself, are you the right person to sing on your song? Would someone else's voice be better on it? Maybe you should hire a session vocalist. The bottom line, if your product is stellar, the music supervisor will take notice. This is how you're gonna cut through. Step number two is create with intention. When we start out as artists and creators, we are starting raw with our instruments and we make up the sounds as we go. We figure out what sounds good. In time, we learn how to craft a song from start to finish, and then that can evolve into creating freely and letting that creative flow come through you. And that's an amazing gift and a talent that not everybody has. But to allow that creativity to flow through you while it creates good art, it's not always the best way to make money from your music. I believe the best way to make money with your product is to create with intention. What does that mean? If you're sitting down to write a song, ask yourself these questions. What type of song should I write today? Should it be up-tempo? A ballad? Maybe a feel-good song? A sad song? Where do I see this song landing? Where do I visualize it landing? Should it be on a, a TV show? What about that one TV show I really love? What scene do you see the song in? Is it an emotional breakup scene? Is it a celebratory dance party song? Are you writing with a particular artist in mind? Are you writing a song for Bruno Mars? Or a Bruno Mars type? Are you writing a song for Tyler the Creator? Or an Ed Sheeran type? Or Beyonce? When you create the song with intention, it keeps you focused and motivated to finish the song. Once I started creating with intention, I started to license my music. When I go to Nashville and I sit down in a room with these professional hit songwriters that have written hit songs for artists, the first question is, what type of song we want to write today? It's what the pros do, and I can't recommend it enough. Creating with intention is going to be a game changer for you. Let me tell you a story about uh, a time when I created something with intention that uh, bared fruit eventually. So in 2015, I started a, a label with my music supervision and co-producing partner, Jennifer Landchart. And we'll have Jennifer on as a guest on the show at some point. Um, we started Collaborate Music Productions. And Collaborate, the whole idea behind Collaborate was it was created with intention. It was to create reimagined covers and remixed originals for licensing to trailers and ads. Jen and I have been uh, independent music licensing reps for many years. We also both both music supervise. So uh, we decided, you know, let's create this company. We know what people need. We see the briefs. We know what they need. Let's create a company and start licensing music to trailers. Um, and we've done exactly that. It's now five years later and we've licensed to several trailers 
and it's been just awesome. Um, one of our first projects was a cover of the song by Irving Berlin, Blue Skies, uh, which I don't know if I can sing on here because I haven't looked into um, the, uh, the licensing uh, deal behind that, doing that on the podcast, so I'm not going to sing it, but you can look it up, Blue Skies by Irving Berlin, and I'm sure you've heard it before. And if you go to collaboratemusic.com, you can listen to our cover of uh, Blue Skies. So we created it. We collaborated with a composer, an extremely talented trailer composer named Jim Dooley, who works out of Hans Zimmer's place. And Jim has uh, composed many on many TV shows, like a series of unfortunate events, um, among others uh, as well. Pushing Daisies was one of the ones he composed on that I used to watch. And he's just a brilliant composer. So Jen and I approached Jim and we wanted to cover a song. And um, we created this cover, and of course, we're, we're not creating it on spec. We're not creating it for like being commissioned by a trailer to create it at first. We're just creating it with trailers in mind. And then about a couple years went by, and we pitched it and pitched it and pitched it. And a trailer house came to us for Pacific Rim 2, the trailer for Pacific Rim 2. And they loved our song, but as, as happens with trailers, they wanted us to customize it a bit and change it to fit the picture. So we made some changes to it, and we came up with a new version of Blue Skies called the Blue Skies Teaser Mix. It didn't get used by Pacific Rim Trailer 2. They ended up going with Score, but uh, we have this new version now. We shopped it and shopped it and shopped it, and then 2020, this, this year, it's now December 2020, so back in uh, January, in fact, late 2019, we got a, a request from CBS. They wanted to license it for the trailer for Picard, their new show they were launching on CBS All Access. So here was this company we started with intention to create reimagined covers for trailers and remixed originals. And we've done that. We created a cover of Blue Skies intentionally for a trailer. And here it is five years later getting licensed for a major network and a major trailer campaign. It was a huge accomplishment for us and it's just an example, one example, and I have many I can share with you and I will share with you uh, throughout our time together. But this is just one example of creating with intention where it actually came to be. So making sure the product's right, number one, creating with intention, number two. Number three, doing your research. All right, so you've created something with intention, the product's sounding amazing, you're ready to pitch it. Without thinking, you hit the web, you look up your favorite TV show and who music supervised it, you track down their email and you pitch to them. It's a great start. It's not the right thing to do. 80% of people pitching to supervisors are doing it blindly. And this is a huge reason why they don't get listened to. What I mean by that is that they simply see a music supervisor's name in, online or in a list somewhere, they find their email address and they pitch music to them like I just described. This is a great way to not get heard. When pitching your music, you should be asking yourself these questions. One, who is the person you're pitching to? Two, what other projects have they worked on? Three, what music did they use in those projects? This will say a lot about the production company, the, the showrunner's taste in music, the music supervisor's taste in music, the type of bands and artists that they gravitate towards, if you get to know them and their, their musical tastes, so you're not emailing them blindly, you can reach out to them and be more targeted with your pitch, if appropriate. There's gonna be some supervisors you research and say, wow, I don't think they're gonna like my stuff. And that's okay. You move on to the next one. 
You try to find your people, the people who want to license your music. A great example of this is years ago when I was working with the music supervisor on uh, True Blood to find music for the show. And people, um, I wasn't working with him on the show. I was not his music coordinator, but I was part of a, um, a group that he'd reach out to when he needed music. So people became aware of that because I had a song placed in season true, season two of True Blood. And when people find that, um, you know, artists will then pitch me, say, hey, I have a song that's great for True Blood. And I remember several artists actually pitching me songs um, about vampires for True Blood. And you'd think, surface level, it's a show about vampires. They want a song about vampires. Well, that, that wasn't the case. Uh, if you watch the show, you know they never really had a song about being a vampire. It's too lyrical, uh, too lyrically on the nose. And it'd be too cheeky for a show like that. <laughs> so it was more about vampires living amongst the humans and, and listening to human music, not songs about being a vampire. It was just, just too on the nose. So doing the research of what the show uses is also really important. Another one, similarly, while we're talking about supernatural shows, uh, The Walking Dead was another one. They used to use a lot of music on that show. Uh, later years, they ended up just using score. But early on, they had music supervisors. And I worked with uh, finding music for the shows to pitch to those music supervisors. And uh, people would pitch me saying, I have a great song about zombies. And that was just not the case, that you'd, you'd be watching The Walking Dead and in would walk a zombie and you hear a song come on about being a zombie. Um, the music, 99% of the time, it's going to be more supportive to the picture. It's not going to be so on the nose unless it's used in a comedic way or a cheeky way. <laughs> um, it's going to, it's there to support the picture and something to understand about music licensing is that it is supportive. It is a content world. It's the content business. It's the entertainment business. It's the film and TV business. It is not necessarily the music business that supports licensing. It's the film business. Uh, the music is supportive. You do need to understand the music business, but you also need to recognize that it's about the show. It's about the content. So you're creating music to support that content. Um, another example, when people have not done their research, uh, when reaching out to me directly, I'll get an email from someone that says, Dear Miss Jody." That doesn't offend me. The name Jody goes for girls and guys. What bothers me is that they didn't do their research. They didn't look me up. They didn't Google me. They didn't look on IMDb. If this person reaches out to me without looking up who I am, and they don't know basically that I'm a guy, which you can, you can see clear as day by my picture, and they address me as Dear Miss Jody, it tells me they don't pay attention to detail. It tells me that's going to be reflective in their product, in their records, in their songwriting, and everything they do. You've got to pay attention to detail. You've got to do your research. Make sure that you do that and people will start taking notice. Number four, be of service. It's a daily occurrence for me that I wake up to an inbox full of emails from a variety of artists, managers, labels, publishers, music libraries, indie reps, including links to their music, mostly artists. They send me links to their music. Sometimes they even send an MP3 attachment. I don't mind it. I'm an artist. I get the grind. And I do understand how trying it can be to get heard amongst the message. 
but not everybody receiving your music is an artist. Most people are not. Some of them are simply getting up to go to work. They say goodbye to their family. They go to the office. And then they're bombarded by emails from random artists asking, hi, here's my music. What can you do for me? And they also have to do work, day-to-day stuff, administrative things, creative things. There are all sorts of things that music... There are all sorts of things that music supervisors have to do in their day-to-day that doesn't involve serving you as the artist. So imagine if you were that person going into work. What type of email would stand out to you at your job? For me, it's the ones that ask, hey, how can I help fill your needs? Not literally saying that, but more or less. Just an example of an email. Hi, I saw you're working on the show X, Y, and Z. I noticed last season you licensed a song by Sharon Van Etten, and my music happens to be in a very similar vibe. In fact, she's a huge influence of mine. I was wondering if you still needed music for this season or next season. Let me know if I can help in any way. Thanks. It's brief. It's to the point. It shows that they did their research. It offers a service instead of saying, here's my music. Please check it out, or I'd appreciate your feedback. And that's my point. The product's ready, you've done your research, now you offer to be of service, you start this relationship with the music supervisor. And just remember, these people you are pitching to are very busy. Don't take it personal if they don't respond. Just move on to the next pitch. You're not gonna win every relationship over. That's just not how it goes. Step number five, find representation. All right, so your product's ready. You've created something with intention. You've done your research. You've offered a a way to be of service to this person. You started the relationship. That's all great. Having representation and the right representation is so important in today's music licensing world. Because there are so many people doing it and getting into it, finding the right representative that has a longstanding relationship is so important to finding success. I said it before, I'll say it again. Music licensing is a crowded space. I've seen an immense growth over the past decade. Going it alone is an option, but it's an uphill battle. If you decide to go it alone, make sure you understand the business first. But that said, I believe the key to success in licensing is finding the right partner for you. When you think your music is truly ready for marketing, you've done your research and you're ready for a rep, find the right partner for your music. It may be a music library, a licensing rep, an independent label, a music publisher. That all depends on you and your music and your goals. But finding the right representative is hugely important. And of course, what comes with that is giving up a percentage to them. But think about this. If you get to the point where you're ready to get licensed. You're going to have to give up something unless you plan to broker your own deal, do all your negotiating, do all the administration, uh, review your contracts without getting an attorney involved. Hiring an attorney alone could cost you a couple grand. So to give up a percentage for someone to be out there working you, shopping you, trying to get you some placements, I, I personally think it's completely justifiable unless You are your own active publisher. If you are actively hustling and taking meetings yourself with music supervisors and building your own relationships, you don't necessarily need a rep. 
I'm Jody Friedman, your host. Thank you so much for listening today. And please join our Facebook group, License Your Music with Jody Friedman. Uh, leave us a review. If you're happy with the podcast, please leave us a review. That definitely helps us out a lot. And our Instagram, follow us at License Your Music. Come by our YouTube channel. You'll find all sorts of valuable tips about music licensing, among other things. And just hang in there. Keep tuning in. Uh, we've got lots of good information coming up both here on our podcast, on our YouTube, on our website, a lot of free content and on Facebook regularly with our tips of the day. So come check that out and we'll see you on the next podcast. Stay cool. Peace. Peace.